What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Malari. So as I said in my last episode that I just recorded a few minutes ago, I get the sports guru, Mike Hurley, here live on the podcast to talk about the Bruins offseason, talk about Patrice Bergeron's retirement, and also what he thinks about the future of the franchise and Don Sweeney's offseason and his thoughts on Don Sweeney as a whole. And then we'll also get into talking about the NFL as well. We're going to talk about the diminishing running back market and then also talk about the comparison between Lawrence Taylor and Daniel Tomlinson. Who is the real LT between Lawrence Taylor and Daniel Tomlinson? This is an argument we've had for years. I'm going to do it here live on the podcast to figure out who the real LT is between those two NFL legends. So give me one second. Going to get him on. I'll be back with you guys in just one second. Thank you. Here we are, back with the sports guru, Mike Hurley. How are we doing, Mike? Good, good. First summer appearance on the show. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on. Obviously, a lot's happened in the NHL, in the world of sports since you were on. So, happy to have you on. Thank you for taking the time to come on here and talk about the bees. Yep, it's good. It's good. So, let's start off. Patrice Bergeron's retirement. Obviously, that's tough as a big, longtime Bruins fan. I know you've always been the biggest Patrice Bergeron fan, the biggest one I've ever met in my life, probably the biggest one in the world. So obviously, this is a tough time for you here, obviously, with him retiring. But at least he does go out on a high note. He was still a very good player when he did go out. And that's one of the things he noted in his press conference from the other day was that at least he did go out on top of his game. So it wasn't like he retired because he wasn't good at hockey anymore. He just felt like it was the right time. But what are your thoughts on Bergeron's retirement as a whole? Oh, it's sad. That's sad to see. You know, It's like Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. So for me, I care a little bit more about Bergeron leaving the Bruins. You got to watch. You got to watch more games. You know, football's on once a week. Hockey's on like three times a week. So a lot more of a weekly routine or a daily routine watching the Bruins with Bergeron for all those eighteen years, and um, never had the the riff or drama that Brady had at the end. Obviously, the winning wasn't wasn't the same, but um, I think under Bergeron's tenure, the Bruins were possibly the winningest team percentage wise it was in that run so they were they there was a historic team historic yeah, only, team only with the one cup but they made it to two others and um you know i had a little debate with somebody the other day about uh you'd rather just lose in the first round than go all the way and lose but i think the memories although it's sad it's always better if you the farther you go in the playoffs you want to watch a team play in playoff games so. yeah i mean i think i've been in the middle of you know deciding between whether or not losing before the playoffs or losing in the playoffs, what's better? I mean, if you lose before the playoffs, you get a better draft pick. That's one positive. If you lose in the first round versus losing in the finals, it's not really that big of a difference. I mean, you end up with, let's say, the 31st pick rather than the, or there's 33 teams, right? The NHL, so you end up with the 32nd. 31. 31 teams. Two, 32 now in the NHL. 32. So you end up, okay, I was right originally. So you end up with the 31st pick rather than ending up with the 23rd pick or whatever if you lose in the, you know, right away. But I think when you look at it, there's two different sides to it. Do you want to lose early and get a higher draft pick? Or would you rather make it all the way and have a chance of winning? I don't know. It depends on the team, in the situation. Do you know what I mean? If you're a team that's going to lose probably first round anyways, that's different. But if you're a team that obviously is a powerless like the Bees, I'd rather obviously lose in the finals since you have a chance of winning it all. You know what I mean? If you're a team that barely sneaks, sneaks into the playoffs and you make it to the finals, let's say like a Florida this year, for example. If you sneak in, but you're a team nobody has that expectation for, I probably would have said Florida should just lose you know, before the playoffs and get a higher draft pick. I would have been wrong. You know what I, I mean? disagree. I disagree. I think that that team is better served um, knocking on the door and losing. It's better for all the players. They know what it's like. Well, that's another thing. Florida was better than their seeding, just like the and Miami Heat. It's better Heat. for the fans. You get you get more attached to your team the more games they play in the playoffs. Also, think about this: a lot of teams now make a big push at the deadline if you're in contention. So a lot of these teams don't even have first round picks. Yeah, like the Bruins had no first round pick. So are you really playing for a, a pick? You know that moves a couple of spots. 
And Bergeron serves a case. I mean, he was a second-round pick. You're right. Franchise player for almost 20 years there. So You're right. I mean, yeah, that's a, a good point. A good players in, in all sports that don't come in the first, you know, 10 picks. I'll put it as this, though, which you're right about. You play to win, right, at the end of the day. So even though I'm thinking of it from the perspective of getting a high draft pick, you do play to win. It is exciting seeing a team in the playoffs. The Clippers lost in the first round. I was just happy to see them in the playoffs and win a playoff game, even though we didn't win a series, only won one game. At the end of the day, seeing your team perform and play in the playoffs, that's obviously something you, are, you look forward to the entire season. So I can't take that away you know, from a team for wanting to win. The players want to win at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Nobody says on the, yeah. on the ice, let's lose because you want a high draft pick. That's something management thinks or fan base thinks. That's never the players. Or the coach. The coach wants to win too, I think, usually. It's usually management or the fan base that wants to lose early. I always am just used to being – you know, in the top five picks with the Giants over the years. And that's why I'm thinking of it from the perspective of losing since the Giants were always far off, losing and getting a high draft pick. But now I'm, I've shifted that focus. I'd rather that's win. That's more like, that's like the tank range, though, where you're like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is on the board. Yes, so. that's, and, a, that's and a point, too. A lot, a lot different. Oh, 100%. just the lottery, so you can be the very worst team and still not get a top three pick. Exactly. But five picks of a difference in the NFL draft is huge. You know what I mean? It's, it's huge. The 8th yeah, pick for the, the, the year, first sure. the 13th pick is huge. Like, you know, trading up for quarterback at 8th rather than when you have the 15th pick. You know what I mean? It's it's big in the NFL draft, obviously, positioning. But with this Bruins situation here with Patrice Bergeron retiring, now that leaves, obviously, a big hole in the locker room. Even though Bergeron was more of a silent huge. leader, he wasn't really as vocal yelling at guys or whatever like some other leaders are in the NHL. He was a silent leader, though. And he's obviously someone that everybody's going to miss on the ice, off the ice. What do you think the future holds for this Bruins team now? And Without Patrice Bergeron. David Krejci, I mean, that's another thing you could question if he's going to come back. But what do you think the future probably, holds for the Probably gone. Team? My quick take there, he's probably gone too. I think krejci has gone. I mean, he didn't play <laughs> two years ago, comes back for one year. I think that was just a let's see what happens. Let's go all in, lock in for one season, one last ride. And I think that's it for Krejci. Even though he was pretty good this year, 16 goals, 40 assists, 56 points in 70 games. Yeah, he scored a goal in the last game too. I he did. But this is just – uh, you're right, though. He did score a goal. He was still productive. But it, this is just a sad moment for the Beast franchise. You lose a guy in Bergeron who was there 19 years and Krejci, who was there for 16, if he does ultimately retire as well. Yeah, obviously the team's going to re- probably regress on, on paper, definitely. You have no Bergeron. Assume you have no Krejci, no Hall. That's that's already losing a lot, you know. So talent-wise, they're not they're not at the level that they were this past year. Um, and without having first-round picks this past draft or next draft – not that the Bruins are have been great at drafting first round picks, anyways, but um, yeah, they'll probably be a little worse on paper. They're not going to go break that regular season record again, but I still think there's enough on the team to be in the hunt for the playoffs. So I expect them to still, you know, be in the hunt for the playoffs. You got McAvoy, you got Marshawn, Pasternak, Olmark, Lindholm. The, the team's got too many good players to not be in contention, at least. To make the playoffs. 100%. I'd agree with you. I think they still are going to be in the hunt. I still think they might even sneak in maybe as the last team into the playoffs. I mean, there's too much talent in this team to just quit and say, let's blow it up. I think there's obviously a situation for some it's teams. A, it's a league where as long as you get in, look at Florida, look at Seattle, look at the Kings. I was just going to say. I was just going to say. Chance, so. Some teams are in the situation that the Bruins are in, and you could say, oh, it's a good idea to break things up and just quit. But this team has too much talent to do that. It's not like the Bruins don't have any talent. Like you said, they still have Pasternak, Marchand, Elmark, McAvoy, Lindholm. This team still has a lot of talent, so it's very different than another team that just loses their best player. If you lose your best player on some teams, yeah, you might as well just blow it up because you're not going to you know, contend it. Let's say McDavid's gone from the Orioles, and I don't know, maybe they still could contend, but they're definitely not going to win the Stanley Cup. They'd still be a playoff team yeah. probably. Yeah, maybe. Pacific's kind of weak, so maybe they would. Yeah, yeah but- there was a couple of years... Two of the worst years uh, that I felt bad for Bergeron were 
I think when Claude was near the end and Shirelli was near the end, they missed the playoffs as the nine seed twice. Yeah, one year and just by a point. Just get in and see what happens because you're taking away two playoff, you know, runs for Bergeron. That's ultimately that's that's tough to swallow too. I remember you'd rather, that. You'd rather see like a 2019 as awful as it was. I was at the game seven, you know, it was terrible to see, but you get to live with them for a couple months on the run, and mm-hmm. there's still great memories that the teams have from those runs. You know, I mean, I think it was a seven game series against the Leafs opening round. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you did. That was great. You did go to support them in Game 7. I know you're the biggest fan, so it's great having you on here to talk about them. But one thing you did mention, yeah, the Bees did miss the playoffs one year, but I think a point, Pittsburgh snuck in right before yeah, the them. the Flyers right? also. Oh, was it the Flyers? Yeah, they, the Bees only missed the playoffs that year by a point or two. I think they had like 100 points, but they missed it because of all those overtime losses. If they won more of those games in OT rather than lost, that would have been you know, the difference of two points versus one, if I remember yeah, right. I think, I think 2015 rings a bell. I think that's the years. one I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say it was probably like right around the time you know, we were working together with a tie-in, like 15, 16, somewhere around then. Yeah, and that was the year Sweeney came in as GM. They stockpiled, had three first-round picks, and Missed. I don't think that, you know, like you said, those draft picks, it's nice to see them, but if they don't pan out, I'd rather have the playoff memories than a couple guys who don't make the team. That's a good point. Go. We That's got some runs, but he's, you know. Still got him. He's not Barzal, Chabot. You know, Kyle Connor even. Barzell could have been the guy there. But let's get your thoughts on Don Sweeney. You just did mention, obviously, those three draft picks he had in a row. That's a yeah, big part of his a, tenure. Is, is that's is a big discussion. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I'll, let you, I'll let you say it. But there's a big discussion, obviously, always about Don Sweeney's and his drafting. And obviously, going one for three of those three draft picks is something that people are going to talk about forever. But let me get your thoughts on Don Sweeney as a whole and, and any takes you have. Yeah, uh, he, I'm sour on him. I think they got to get rid of him. He's already outlived um, Cassidy, and look what Cassidy just went and won the cup. Bergeron now being fully retired, unfortunately, I think that's also Sweeney's fault. I think if you had $5 million there, which they do have, but they have to sign Swayman and Frederick, restrictor free agents, mm-hmm. um, that's in arbitration right now. If they had real cap management from Sweeney and they had $5 million there for their number one center, Bergeron will be back. That's significant money, even even for a guy like him. I mean, he played almost for free last year, considering he used to make a, almost seventy seven million a year. Mm-hmm. He's worth I so much see, more than that. I can't that. see him turning down five million when he was really right on the fence. He, it took him a couple of months to come to this decision, and he knew if he comes back to play, he's making a million bucks. He's playing for free. It's it's for the love of the game, which clearly he still has great friends, loves the team, loves the game. I think he'd be back if there was money there for his family too. I mean, no one's going to not, you know, think about making another five million bucks when you got three kids, wife, everything. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's real money. <clears throat> Definitely. I mean, if you look at and the team would be, the team would be better served for it. I mean, we right now have a gaping hole, the top two centers. You could say Zaka and Coyle, but I think those guys both are, Middle six players and, and yeah. Zaka, we haven't seen him play center for an extended stretch. He's only played it, you know, here and there when they need him to step in. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he's he, we'll see. He's a talented player, but he really he's been underwhelming for where he was drafted. He was a top six pick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you look at this Bruins team, I was just going to say, I mean, there is a gaping hole now of talent at that center yeah. position, like you said. So especially you, in our in our division, I mean, we're going against Braden Point, Austin Matthews, Matthews, John Tavares, yeah, like these these. These are some big-time guys. Barzell, he's on the Islanders, not 
the division. But Stamkos, New York's got some good players. Tampa Bay's just unreal. All that yeah, talent Tampa, on the team. I was going to say, if you look at their first line, Stamkos. Stamkos, yep, for sure. Most good team, teams don't get by without good centers. And you need offensively gifted centers, too. Like Bergeron, he, he was about second on the team in goals in the yeah. last couple of years. And he was great. And still, who's up there leading the league almost. So still a Selkie Award winner two years in a row too. So he was still at the top of his game, which is one good thing you know. At least you know he was still a good player. It wasn't like he quit just because. It, it which is why I'm also just it, because it of that to see because he can still do it and it still be really impactful in a good way for us. You yeah. Know, unfor- unfortunate that he got hurt at the end of the year. I think that also, you know, those injuries. He's, he had a lot of miles on him. He's got, he did. That, that's what a, I was going to say. Of, of injuries and stories of playing through pain and, and uh, hit some real serious injuries with the concussion. The rib uh, injuries. Yeah. Well, he was out for a whole year because of a concussion. Mm-hmm. So he almost lost his career to it. Punctured lung, right, in the yeah, playoffs? punctured lung. He broke his nose like three or four times. Uh, tough guy. He, I mean, and, he, and he had a, an ongoing sports hernia for the past like five years. Really? So, I don't yeah, know about that. I don't even saying, know about just, that. There's nothing they could do. He just has to play through it. So it's all all pain management for him. Yeah. And that's the, that's a crazy thing about Berger, though. You don't know any of that stuff. You don't. You can't tell when you're watching him that he's playing hurt. He just plays. He yeah. still plays. I think, actually, I think Marshawn actually got. He had same thing as Berger on the sports arena. These guys are pivoting and they. Yeah. Those guys play similar style. Like they're digging and they got, you know, they're bumping bodies down around the net in the faceoff dot. Mm-hmm. They play a lot of minutes, uh, a lot of pivoting on the PK. So. Yeah. Just to show you know the wear and tear in the same spot, but Marshawn actually had the operation on it. Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, difference, right? I think Bergeron he he had gotten the operation and came back, and Which so really good. He, he elected to no more no more surgeries on it, just manage it. Um, but you know a lot of these athletes do that. But him to an outstanding degree, playing through uh, everything for the team, which you love to see as a fan. So one hundred percent. 100%. Yeah. That's that's the thing with this beast team. You just lose a lot of hunt and soul when you lose a guy like Bergeron. Just like the Celtics, they lose Marcus Smart. Absolutely. You lose the hunt and soul there, obviously, too. So yeah. that's obviously going to be tough. But one thing you did mention with Don Sweeney was his inability to obviously draft. And then you also said they didn't have the cap space to try to get back a guy like Bergeron. If they had $5 million, that was what it would take. They obviously don't have that kind of thing. I think that number would do it. I'm just pulling that out of thin. Yeah, no, but I think you're right. I think it probably would as well. Five. And think about that, $5 million for a top-line center, that's a bargain. Oh, you know? st- I mean, that, That's a bargain today. To get him with a veteran minimum play. last year was ridiculous. $1.5 million with a $1 million signing bonus, that's ridiculous the Bruins got yeah. him on that last year. Yeah, that's that's a gift for the team. And I think Sweeney just completely mismanaged the money. I mean, even getting rid of Hall's contract, we still you – know, he's got we've got buyouts that you, you know hurt your bottom line by a couple million bucks. Mike and Riley. To bury Mike Riley, um, Chris Wagner. Wagner's another one, yeah. I mean, we've got Forbert uh, on the deal. He's making $3 million a year. Would you rather have Forbert and Mike Riley or Patrice Bergeron? I think that's Bergey. easy. Bergey. He did do pretty good for himself, which obviously here's the thing. When you look at these trades, right, trading for Hathaway and Orlov and trading for Bertuzzi, you're giving up first-round picks, which that isn't good. But he did get good talent back. Even though you don't re-sign them, that's the problem. That's the difference right there. It's, it's wasted draft picks because you didn't re-sign them. But here's, here's the thing. If it goes two ways, if you win the Stanley Cup Finals – you don't care about oh, those draft no picks, about it, yeah. or if you re-sign yeah. them, then you're okay with at least giving up those two first. The difference is here with those trades, he did bring in good talent, he just didn't re-sign them, and you didn't win, so at the end of the day, it's a loss, right? You could say it, you can agree with that, right? Yeah, that's, well, and especially if you know that Bergeron's not coming back, I mean, you've got to, you got to do something to retain um, the talent that you sold two first-round picks for. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You, it's either you bring them back or you win the Stanley Cup Finals. That That's the goal of when you trade a first-round pick. Yeah. Unless they're a complete mess. But Orlov is a good player still. I mean, they caught a Bobby Orlov yeah, in the first yeah, few games. NHL talent pretty well. I mean, even when he brought in Coyle, Johansson. I think Jaka, pretty good add. Um, Lindholm, I like. Lindholm's a good he, one, yeah. He was, he was not great in the playoffs. Olmark, I mean, he's been great. He just won the Vezina. So he's good at identifying Swayman. NHL talent. Well, Swayman was draft picks. So that's a little different. I yeah. think he struggles with the young kids, and that's it's more difficult inherently because these guys haven't fully developed; they're not even fully grown. But yeah, he's I'm, really whiffed on a lot of them. And I think another reason that the Miles Bergeron had to put on his body over twenty years is there was no one else aside from Krejci, but he was more of a you know. And, and for a time, Krejci was slotted as the top offensive center. They might have played equal minutes because Bergeron was always a PK guy, but. By the end, Bergeron was, was better than Krejci offensively. He scored more goals. Um, he was deployed more offensively. And, and the team went to two cup runs with Bergeron as the top guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I think ever since Krejci lost the Horton-Lucic line, it was always a little bit spottier production. But he's great. Great passer. 100%. Krejci's a magician. Yeah, skating and then obviously yeah, the pass too. He's yeah. a good player all around. But... So now this brings it to question this. We're talking about Swayman, obviously, and now he's a restricted free agent. Will the Bruins bring back Jerry Swayman? Obviously, going to resign him probably, yeah, right? They're they going to have to, right? He's a restricted he free agent. So he's going to be signed. Does that bring into question of whether or not the Bruins should trade Elmark? Do you think that's a legitimate thing they should consider? I don't, at this point, no, because I, unless there's, I actually read something recently, I'll have to pull it up, but it was centers that the Bruins could go out and get. There was one name that I thought was decent, and he might be a $5.5 million player. Mm-hmm. So if you get someone in a position of desperate need, and that's why you have to get rid of Allmark, okay. But I think at this point you have to keep him because now the team's structured around McAvoy, Allmark, Swayman, Lindholm. It's defensive, you know, yeah, you force, defensively yeah, stout. Defensive first, yeah. Defensive you forces, got, yeah. You got Pasta, Marshawn. You have enough on the wings, more or less, to score. If center's going to be the one point that you're weak, okay. One year in. That's his issue is though you, you should have young guys in the system over a decade essentially of Sweeney being GM. I think it's been like eight years. Hasn't drafted one guy who could be a potential top six center. It's just I think it's inexcusable. Yeah. Inexcusable. Usually you want to see your star players when they get older, mid thirties, late thirties. If you want their minutes to come down, you want to have a Braden point stepping in so that Stamkos doesn't have to play twenty minutes a night. It's I'm great sorry. to have internal competition where there's an emerging young star. The only guy we've really had is, you know, Pasternak and McAvoy, and those guys were not picked by Sweeney. They both Shirley guys? Well, McAvoy actually was a Sweeney guy, but... Okay, McAvoy was Sweeney, McAvoy, McAvoy, and then, then the other one was Shirley, right? Yeah, Pasternak? Shirley from Pasta, yeah. Okay, makes sense. And Shirelli was notoriously awful with the cap. You know, Sweeney was good at re-signing guys, but he wasn't... You know, when all you do is draft... Uh, Guys who can't make the NHL, you have to go out there and sign or trade for NHL caliber players. And he brought in people like Jimmy Hayes. He brought in Bolesky. Like, there's a lot of misses there that he had to buy out. Backus. Oh, 100%. Felino was overpaid his first year. Backus was overpaid, too. Backus was well overpaid. I think he was $6 million. I mean, even Hall, I know you were able to get rid of him because he was decent, but 6 mil. Yeah, that's the thing. When you have bad drafting, you have to make up for it by signing. You have to make up for it at the NHL level. It's, it's never going to be 100% hit rate. You know? No, you won't be. It, even, even, even the draft. I mean, he brought in Rick Nash. He had to get rid of a first-round pick there. 
Rick he Nash. I forgot about Rick Nash. He was great back in the day, though. Any guy who was almost good, you also had to sell. And it was mostly defensive guys. Vakanainen, Lindgren. Yeah. You know, these guys were in the NHL now. Who's the guy who got picked up by Seattle in the... Um, is it... Donato? No. Is that Lausanne? Lausanne, Donato yeah. got rid of, but he also wasn't cutting it. He wasn't going to be a center here. Donato's guy you drafted, though, right? He drafted him. Yeah, he drafted Donato. But he was the crown jewel of Sweeney's, you know prospect pool at the time and Donato's you know he's like a third line guy yeah I mean that was a the guy they drafted I remember right coming out of college he was a big name because he was yeah, good Harvard, but, yeah. yeah he was good in the bean pond stuff but that's a criticism is that he, all he does is take guys out of hockey east and you know northeast hockey schools like Quinnipiac and BC uh, has a lot there two or three guys last year you know yeah, so B, a lot of BU a lot of BC Gasso uh, I wrote a little bit yep yeah Yelvik Gasso and then uh I mean, Kutak. even Swayman is main, right? Jelvik, yeah, yeah. Uh, Swayman's yeah. actually a good pick. But. Swayman, Swayman's a, a steal. So, yeah, that brings it to question, though. <laughs> trading Elmok. I think here's, here's where I stand with the situation. So, I would get rid of Sweeney. Just throwing that out there. I would get rid of him. Um, I like Jeff Gordon. He's, okay. He's up in Montreal. I don't think he's fully titled GM because he might not speak French. He is the guy who drafted, I believe, Brad Marchand. Okay. Milan Lucic. So he, uh, he has a good he, eye. He might, have, he might have been the guy who traded for Chara. Like, he had a big impact on the 2011 Bruins team, and he was only an interim GM. Mm-hmm. He got he got ran out of town by the owner of the Rangers over some squabble. I don't know, but he's great, and he can draft. All right, I don't mind I mean, that. Look, 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 he drafted Brad Marshall. The guy's a stud. I mean, he's up there in points with guys like McDavid over a five, ten-year stretch. It's, 100%. He's a great player I mean, all, all around. Quite McDavid, but he's a fantastic player. No, yeah, he's, but he's up there in, in, in goals and points, obviously. Very talented player all around. And I think he's, of the of all active players in the NHL, he's got the most career shorthanded goals. He's got like it's impressive. 50. Yeah, he's great defensively. That's why he's out there on those shorthanded opportunities, you know, on the penalty kill. Yeah, and the way he plays is great. I think maybe we'll get into it, but if we're talking who gets the C stitched on their jersey, it's, I think it's one of two guys. It's either Marshawn or McAvoy. I would personally I go Marshawn. I go Marshawn. Marshawn too, yeah, but... I give it to Brad Marchand. He's been here the longest. Now. He's the longest tenure Bruin, correct? Yeah, it's not for that reason that I would give it to him. I give it to him because I think he brings the right effort every night. He's a vocal leader. He's an emotional leader of the team. You know, a lot of times over the past decade that he's been here, excellent, he's the guy who drags the Bruins into the fight. He scores a lot of big goals. 100%. And, and he's cut down on the, the rattiness. So I, I would give it to him. 100%. I'm with you there. So we'll see what the and I think if it was put to a vote, the team would vote for him. I'm just wondering, maybe he would personally say give it to somebody like McAvoy because when a guy like Recky was here, veteran winger, um, he started handing over the reins to Bergeron. They played on the same line. Yeah, and he was like, you know, and this is Recky. He was like a scoring champion, couple Stanley Cups. He was old too here. Yeah, he was the oldest player to ever score a goal in the Stanley Cup Finals. It's like 43 years old or something. Something but, ridiculous. Yeah, when he was here, he, he was one of the guys who encouraged Bergeron to speak up more in the locker room. So it's good to have that, though, in your locker room. You need someone like that. I think Masha would be that guy. He's going to get yeah, people's faces. Yeah, but he might be encouraging someone like McAvoy, like, hey, you, you be captain, I'll stay assistant, and, you know, I'll help you. But we need you to start filling the big shoes now. Yeah, maybe that could be the case. It's a, big, it's a big role. And sometimes you give it to a younger guy, that like McAvoy gets hot-headed. So does Masha, but maybe it has a bigger impact, 
giving it to McAvoy than it would to Marshawn. You know, Marshawn's not going to change who he is just because he's captain. Mm-hmm. Maybe McAvoy, it helps him progress. So th- that's one reason. Definitely. Uh, so I want to tell you what I thought about the Orlov, not Orlov, uh, the situation with Omar and Swayman. Here's the thing. Swayman's obviously going to get re-signed, restricted free agent. They're not going to let him walk. But here's yes. the thing. With Omar... Had a great season, 46-1, and 938 save percentage, 1.89 goals against. Ridiculous season. Then you look at what he did in the playoffs, 896 save percentage, 3.33 goals a lot, you know, against him. Here's my, here's my take on it. I was calling for them to pull him. I know you were always a swimming guy. I mean, he had a very good year as well, 24-6-4, 920 save percentage, 2.27 goals against. Very good season. Swimming, already had, swimming also already had a better playoff record heading into this year than Omar. Because right. last year, when they were down in Carolina, Olmark lost the first couple games. They put in Swayman, and Swayman won all the games at home, three games. Um, yeah. And then ended up losing one. Uh, on the road, right? On the road, yeah. But here's the or thing. Two, I guess two on the road. So it was three, three and two. Olmark was 0 and 2. And here's my take on it, though. I think if you look at Olmark and you look at Swayman, obviously Swayman's younger, only 25 years old. I think Omar's not going to repeat that same success. 46 and yeah. 1, 938 save percentage. That's Especially why I would trade one, him. Right? <laughs> exactly. You lose talent there. But here's the well, difference. You're losing your best face up, man. So think of all the possessions in the defensive zone. 100%. But here's, here's the problem. I mean, he's on a team friendly deal just two years at $5 million a year. That's the issue right there. You're trading him away, and it's basically the best deal you could get for a starting goalie. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to get NHL talent and. You, I mean, it depends who you get back. If you get like a top center back, maybe you don't need a first round pick. But you could get, you can get first round pick for yeah. Olmark. I mean, the starting goalie, the Vesna winner this year. I just don't think he's going to repeat the same success. That's why I would think about moving him. Yeah, but there's also something to be said about familiarity. You know, you don't just move on because you can get a good deal. You move on because your team is better for it. True. That's that's a good point. Because he's ingrained in the locker room. The guys like him. They have two starting goalies. How he plays. Two starting goalies, though. It's tough to keep two on the same roster. You know? Right, but do the are these guys who can take on? You know, if you get rid of one of them, the other guy has to play fifty games. So. More games. You're right. Yeah. And be in the playoffs, and it didn't look like Olmark had the legs for the playoffs. You know, and even Swayman was dinged up a little last year at one point. The knee. I think he mm-hmm. avoided serious injury, but he was out for a week or two. Yeah, you're right. They had Kincaid, Kincaid play that one game against Buffalo. I remember that, yeah. That was earlier in the season, right, though? It was around December. I was going to say, yeah, like I was going to say November, December. But uh, so obviously that brings into question whether or not the Bees should. I think, I think it's a good luxury. Trade if, one of them. Uh, but you know, if we end up paying $8 million for the two goalies combined, a lot of teams pay the top goalie $10 million, So Vasilevsky gets a lot, right? It's not so. like we're overpaying the position, but because we're overpaying at other spots, we need, you know. Olmark's one of the only guys you could actually trade and know that you're getting value. You wouldn't have to eat any money. You wouldn't have to do anything. Like, the reason people think trade Olmark is because you know you could trade Olmark. Teams out there want him. 100%. A lot of teams need goalies. Um, it's a luxury to have two good goalies. You'd love to be able to keep them. 100%. So we'll see what obviously happens there with Olmark and obviously Swamit. Swamit will get re-signed. I'd imagine they keep Olmark. I would just at least think about trading him since I don't think he's going to repeat the same success. But you don't trade a guy just because you're going to get good value back. You trade him because you want to improve the current roster. Maybe you get back a good piece. You also get maybe a draft pick back in return that you can use at the trade deadline. You never know. Yeah, I mean, you, you there's need, multiple ways you can it, go. There's only one thing I would get back. you got to get a top-line center. You know? Yeah. So, and maybe we, don't, get, we don't have it. <laughs> there's two years left in his deal. Maybe you get a guy that's got one year left on his deal, which probably isn't great value, but you can probably get back a draft pick back if you get a guy that only has one year left on his current deal. You know what I mean? 
You'd probably get yeah. a draft pick and that guy with one year left on his deal in exchange for two years of Hallmark. You know, so well, I mean, there's multiple ways Sweeney can go, but you think Sweeney should be gone, correct? I would, I would get rid of him. Yeah, I would definitely get rid of him. They're giving him this year, though, at least. You know, they're giving yeah, well, him this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're too close point, to the it's season. It's too easy to get rid of him now, in a way, because offseason's already begun. Exactly. Like, he's already squandered some things. Season's the coming. Team, the team is already shaped up, like he signed, you know. All those pieces, a, yeah. A lot of old wash up guys. I think, you know, they could pan out. I, I got nothing wrong with signing guys to a veteran minimum deal. As a matter of fact, you, every team needs those players. Like, it's a hard cap league. You need some guys who make a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And want to get a veteran. Who's willing to come play for a million bucks? Now they got like three of them, but mm-hmm. yeah, right. I guess I, I guess let him make it. But I have him on a real short leash. I would have already, I would have, he'd be gone for me. I guess uh, I guess for a lot of Bruins fans, they probably want him gone, right? But I wanted him gone already. No, you were right that you jumped the gun and, on it. You were right, and I don't say that he's all bad. It's just I fundamentally think he should be gone. Yeah, I, I think Bergeron could be back if if he had managed things better. You know, he's got no control over the team winning um, round one there. He put a good team on the ice, but he did it at the expense of drafting. I understand. That's been his weakest point for eight years running. We've really only gotten two guys, I guess three, with DeBrus. But it's tough to give him credit on DeBrus because he had three picks in a row in the first round. If you're only planting one NHL player, yeah, you want to go two for three at least. That is really tough. You want to go two for three at least. Especially if the guy, you know, if DeBrus was, you know, Braden Point. Or somebody of that caliber. Austin Matthews, you'd be fine with it. Yeah, Austin Matthews, you know, if you got a second posture knock, it's like, whoa, all right. Exactly. He, yeah. he, he had a home run. Um, At least then, with one of them, yeah. And then two strikeouts, we'll, we'll take the home run. Debrusque is a solid player, but even Debrusque had some tiffs with the team and he wanted to be out. Yeah, I, I'm happy he came back. You know, is he, is he going to be a lifelong Bruin? I, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not a lifelong Bruin. He's good value game. now, $4 million for a guy putting up. 20-something goals, but he's... In, everyone likes to say he's got the talent to score 30, but he has not scored 30. Yeah, he so. does have the talent to score 30, is right. Maybe this upcoming season... He hasn't done you have more. One, thing to, one thing to be talented enough, it's another thing to go do it, and we're going to need him to do it. He'll be first year. line, right, still? Uh, you know, it remains to be seen. Do you do Zaka, Pasta, and Marshawn together? Mm, or do you that's a good question. keep DeBrusque with Marshawn and... I'd say keep him with Marshawn. Yeah, but I don't know. It's that's a good question. That, that's a whole other shakeup. Teams got to think now. You're right. The lines, the lines going to be. You different. might, you might need to load up your most offensive players because it, it takes everything you got. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's a, not it's a good as question. Offensively gifted as Zaka, and Zaka's not as gifted as Bergeron, mm-hmm. and probably not as gifted as Krejci even. You're right. There's a definitely so, a difference in talent. So, uh, so, what would you say about the Bruins' off-season moves? Were you a fan of? The signing of Patrick Brown, Lou Cheech, Shattenkirk. What do you think of all those moves? Uh, you can start with any of them. Talk about as many as you want. I'll let you, I'll let you take the floor there. Yeah, I, I think they're fine. No, none of them are going to sink you because none of them are that much money. They're all cheap. Everything's, everything's 775000 a million, yeah. a million and a half, $4 million, $2 million a year to, to Geeky. Yeah, but he's, you know, what, fourth line center? Yeah. And you're losing Nosek. I, I don't think that's much of it. You're just changing names. You're not really changing Yeah. Um, fundamentals of your team. Um, Geeky's probably, I think, a little younger. They say he's got a little offensive game, but yeah, twenty-eight yeah, points in sixty-nine player, games. Plays ten minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, it's not the biggest deal losing. Obviously, no. Yeah, side, Luch, I don't expect anything out of him. Thirty-five uh, years old. James Van Riemsdyk. You know, he's I would liked him a lot better if Bergeron was still here. I'll tell you why. For the power play, you got a guy making one million bucks. He can't skate. 
Yeah. He's, he's, he's showing with molasses, but in front of the net, he's still got a good active stick. He's a big body. Mm-hmm. He's not super physical, but the guy scored all the goals in his career within 10 feet of the net. Yeah, you're right. Well, he's bringing you an element that you've desperately needed. I mean, Bertuzzi was sort of bringing that. Unfortunately, we don't have him. Mm-hmm. But Van Riemsdyk, for one mil, playing on the power play in third line, I wouldn't hate that. Um, but without Bergeron now, you got to think, how is the power play going to work? You might not even have the same setup. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's I mean, different. you could. You could put Zach in the middle, I guess. But... Yeah. No, you, re- you really want the puck to be in Marshawn's hands, Pasternak, McAvoy, Lindholm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be up on the umbrella a lot. You're so, right. I mean, it's a big difference, obviously, now without... You know, you, you could Pretty just put Coyle maybe on the power play and hope to crash the net a little. But he doesn't He doesn't, He doesn't. doesn't finish, you know? No, he, he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. I think Van Riemsdijk's still capable, though, of, of 20 goals, I'd say. Still capable. I mean, he had 21 yeah, because uh, twenty-four he goals in twenty uh, twenty-one, twenty-twenty-two sure. season. Fifteen power play goals. Yeah, yeah, twenty-four goals, fourteen assists, thirty-eight points in the twenty twenty-one, twenty twenty-two season. So a year removed. Obviously, this past year he didn't do. They only had twelve goals in uh, twenty-nine points in sixty-one was games. He in Toronto. I believe so. Yes, yeah. I think it was. Let me see. I had all the stats written down there. I'll see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's probably you don't really you sign him and have yeah, expectations going to be the player he once was. He's, been, he's washed up now, right? Thirty-four years old. So. Still a good player, but he's not the Isn't player he once was. <clears throat> I mean, it's like a veteran guy with a good three-point shot. If you're decent in front of the net... That was Philly, by game, the way, he was with when he did that. Philly, yeah. yeah. He, he Philly went for Philly, he was on Toronto, he was back on Philly. Yeah. Philly for eight years overall in his career, and then Toronto for six. Yeah. Last on Toronto in the 2017-2018 season. So yeah, you're right, he went back to Philly after. But yeah. I mean, he's, he's not, not going to solve, solve the power play issue where we can't get in the zone, because the guy can't skate. Mm-hmm. But... I think it's sort of like an old an old guy in the NBA who can still shoot threes. Like if you're still good in front of the net with your stick, yeah, that that's always going to be valuable, and you don't need to be 25 to do it. hundred percent. I'm with you there. That makes sense. I mean, he wasn't really much money. He's, 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 he's good at screening. He's got gets a stick on pucks. Yeah, a lot of experience we'll too see. in his career. He's played in the playoffs. You know? a one million dollar player gets you like 18, 20 goals. We'll that's huge. It. That's huge. Obviously, and they they had a lot of value deals. You know, Shattenkirk, Kevin Shattenkirk from Anaheim, one year, one point oh five million. Thirty four right, years probably, old, the defensive. They're trying to replace Clifton there. Uh, yeah. I think Clifton's better at this stage. Clifton has more skating, more hitting. Clifton got more money though. Three years, ten million. Uh oh, yeah. with in Buffalo. But he's obviously younger and had a decent year for the Beast. Five goals, eighteen assists, twenty three points. That was a great year for him. That's a good year for a third, you know, third pair D. Absolutely. That was a great year for him. Uh, I want to get your Clifton, thoughts. Clifton was not bad on the breakout too. I mean, Shattenkirk's a better passer. Yeah. Um, I'm not too. He, he might have a, probably has a better shot too. Like the guy was a power play guy. Most Four of his goals career. last year, 23 assists, 27 points. But he's not yeah. going to be on the top power play. So. Mm-hmm. And is he going to be on the second one? Maybe if they do two D, if it's Lindholm and Shattenkirk, mm-hmm. that's you might see that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways they could go about the pairing. So we'll see. But what he's another BU guy. Coach Montgomery right? decides to do right, but. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Tyler Bertuzzi situation? Goes to Toronto on just a one-year, $5.5 million deal. That was a big storyline in the offseason was the Bruins, are they going to bring back Tyler Bertuzzi? And they ultimately didn't get to bring him back, unfortunately. He had a good year with the Bees in the 21 mm-hmm. games. He played four goals, 12 assists, 16 points. Even had, points in the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. He scored in the playoffs, too. He was a good player overall. And the Bees traded a first in 2024 and a fourth in 2025 to get him. And now that trade looks like a loss since you didn't win the Cup and you didn't re-sign him. What are your thoughts there on the Bertuzzi signing? Uh, you know, yeah, like Toronto. Yeah, fireable offense number two. 
<laughs> losing <laughs> losing the two I mean, draft picks is tough. Completely, I, I don't know. I, I liked Bertuzzi. I think if you could have kept any of the three guys. Um, between Bertuzzi, oof, Orlov, and Hathaway? Ra- razor thin between him and Orlov. Um, yeah. I'm not- I think it, the way the team is right now, Bertuzzi would probably be more helpful. But mm-hmm. if you go all defense and load up, I mean, going against McAvoy, Lindholm, and Orlov, that's... Ooh, you got three good demon there. You can all play 22 minutes. But yeah, all three of those guys being gone, even Hathaway. I mean, Hathaway got paid, but... Two years, $4.75 million from Philly. Yeah, you got money. Yeah, I think... Two I can't changes, believe yeah. that, that Sweeney wouldn't match that five and a half from Toronto. Uh, yeah. Because we have that in cap space for this year. 100%. Why can't you give him, you know, four years, 20 mil? Should exactly. Should be able to pay that. 100%. And, and Toronto's actually over the cap right now, so they're going to have to dump pieces... Yeah, because of all the money Austin Matthews I mean, and Tavares you know, they've got control of the players right now. We don't have that, and we lost the first round pick. So exactly, I think there was there's almost no excuse to not getting that done. Definitely, maybe we can go get him next year, but you're probably gonna have to pay more. You're right. It's a big loss. It's a big loss, obviously, in Bertuzzi. I thought they'd bring him back. I thought that was the main goal yeah, of the offseason, tough. but I guess not. Then you lose double whammy because you 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 know you bow out in the first round and then no pick and exactly. No and you lose other pieces on the same team, too. It's not like you're bringing back Hall, Berzeron, and Krejci. You lost all four of that of those you know, talented players there. And just and the same everyone season. thought when they got rid of Hall, it was a telegraph. Oh, they're going to keep Bertuzzi. Nope, didn't happen. No, I thought it was, too. I thought they were saving cap space to try to get him. I mean, that trade was actually a good trade, though, giving up Hall. I mean, they took the Chicago Blackhawks, so, took yeah. all $6 million of the cap hit. Took the rights to Felino, who ends up getting paid actually, uh, you know, one year four million from Chicago. But the Bees got back two restricted free agents, that Ian Mitchell and Alec Ragula, and they end up signing them yeah. to smaller deals. I don't it know much about them, but one year seven hundred seventy-five thousand. Flyers on the guys. It's the cap relief that you needed. Yeah, two defensemen, two young defensemen, twenty-four years old. Mitchell, one goal, seven assists, eight points in thirty-five games. Then Ragula, twenty-three years old, one goal, no assists, one point in twenty-two games in the NHL. Only played four games last year, so he's probably AHL depth, I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the top defensive guy, defensive prospect that we have is uh, Mason Lurie. Lurie. Mm-hmm. Lurie, right, yeah. State. I know we'll see anyway, Lurie. I'm not really sure, but I've seen the name. Yeah. But he'll probably make it up, what, next year? I don't know. He might, Maybe he'll play in a game this year. We'll see. Yeah. I think Lysel's got to come up. It know. might be time to call him up now. I think you got to call him up. Hey, what about Mark McLaughlin? They got. They yeah, better get him up. They might need him. Yeah, they might Talking need him. Talking centers. Get him up. No sentiment, so. Well, he was buried in the depth this year. He wasn't going to make it up because how good the Bees were at the you know NHL level, but he deserves a spot. Yeah, this yeah, get team. him in there. I mean, he's not going to be a top line center. You got a glut of third line centers, really. Mm-hmm. But You're right. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited I to see. I think Lysel have to come up though. I was just like, I'm excited Sweeney, to see what they do with Lysel. That Sweeney knew that he knows Lysel is a reflection of him. Drafting, he has not been able to draft offense. You're right. No forward, no forwards to speak of aside from Bobrovsky. And like I said, I don't really count that because three first round picks in a row, and that's all you got. You should hit two of the three, I would say. In the top you got to hit something. Top fifteen, you got to hit two of those three, I'd say. If you have three yeah, in a row. Yeah. You know, you they should get... all at least be NHL players. Oh, I mean, absolutely. They're not even NHL guys. That just means you don't have the eyes, you know, the talent to see, you know, yeah. young, young players to see if they're going to develop and grow. The, the arrogance to make all the picks. I mean, you could trade a pick to go up and get a no-brainer, or you could trade for an NHL guy. But he, 
thought he was going to make a mark on this franchise by drafting three times in the first round, and that that could be a foundational, you know, core of the team. Definitely. I mean, if you if the draft picks were <laughs> Bergeron, Krejci, and Chara, it's like, yeah, look at this team. Yeah, hundred percent wasn't sadly, but no. and uh, Jabrowski, I mean, as much as he's a familiar guy, he's not exactly like a core player. <laughs> I know that might sound weird, but I don't think he's a core guy. I uh, probably not the best player in the locker room too. He wanted out anyways, so. I think the guys in the locker room actually like him. I think Do he's they? a well liked guy. It's just is he a leader? I don't. That's think what I was so. saying. I don't think he is. That's what I meant. In he's the not a leader. Room, and he's sort of maybe they do like him as a teammate. He gets, he gets flaky sometimes. He's a ghost. Other games he scores a hat trick. Like you know, yeah, he's got the talent. He does. But he does. He's got to figure it out. Put it all together. He's missing something. He's he inconsi- might, terribly inconsistent. They need someone to step up now. Maybe he's the guy that steps up this year. Mm-hmm. You never know, but Maybe. this is the time to step up and shine. But uh, you want to switch gears and talk NFL, talk some uh, yeah, LT? Yeah, switch. I, I don't know. It's making me sad and frustrated. I, I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I came in here with good intentions to have you come on and talk bees. I didn't yeah. want to make you upset, but uh, we'll see what happens, obviously, in the future. I'll have you on, anyways, for the start of the season, too, about the Bruins. So we'll do an in-depth look at their schedule and stuff yeah. then. But so, uh, do you want to start? Blame Sweeney for why Bergeron's not back. That's the take. That's the take, and, and fire Sweeney from you. So <laughs> you're right. I think you're right, but I, I think they'll give him this year, obviously, and then probably after this current season, maybe it is it. Yeah, you know, I mean, if the owners really cared, I think even Cam Jacobs, Miller yeah. would be on the hot, hot seat. Seems like they have a good relationship with him. That's what, I, that's what always every owner says. We have a good relationship, you know, with the front, we have front office and everything and all. That's what they always yeah. say. So maybe they don't want us to get rid of him. But uh, what do you want to start with? With Danian Tomlinson versus Lawrence Taylor, who's the real LT? Would you rather jump and talk about the running back market? We can talk about both, but you can pick which one we want to start what do you, with. What do you want to do? It's up to you. I'll let you pick here. Um, Running back market. I mean, the, the LT one is—it's a little bit in jest, but we'll do it. Go, go for that. I mean, you always say, "Hey, Ladainian Thomas is the real so LT." So when people I, say LT, it's Lawrence Taylor. Who do you think of? Lawrence mm-hmm. Taylor. He's this the original. Is from a Giants fan. When I grew up watching football, Ladainian Tomlinson. I mean, I think when you talk about—I had to go dust off a history book to find out who Lawrence Taylor was. I was just going to say, I think when you talk about the game of football and how it's changed, Lawrence Taylor changed the game of football. It's like, that's why he's the real LT. And obviously he played before, 1981 to 1993, and then you look at LT, 2001 to 2011. So he was the original LT. But look at, the, look at those num- uh, accolades I gave and I wrote down. He was the three-time defensive player of the year. Only Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt have done that. Ten-time Pro Bowl, eight-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, 1986 NFL MVP, and then was a Hall of Famer as well. Just like LT, they're both Hall of Famers. But here's the difference. Taylor was the defensive rookie of the year and defensive player of the year in his rookie season in 1981. The only player to ever win the defensive player of the year as a rookie. Also, Yeah, but, one, you know, Micah Parsons was about to win it the other year. So. He was. He was close. Uh, and I don't think Parsons is LT. But I do not think he is LT. Like, they have shown those comparisons. Landish? No. I, here's the difference here. I think they're both very good players, but if you look at what LT did in his career, my LT here, Lawrence Taylor, which obviously the Dan Thompson had a terrific career himself, even that, you know, one ridiculous year that I'm sure you'll talk about in just a second. Lawrence Taylor, though, did win MVP, and he's one of only two NFL defensive players ever to win MVP. Alan Page and Lawrence Taylor obviously had that great team, great 1986 season where he played 16 games, 20 and a half sacks, led the league that year, and also was defensive player of the year and NFL MVP. But I'll let you talk about LT in that 2006 season that you always love to refer to uh, when you talk about the Danian. Well, yeah, before we get into running backs, think about this. 16 games, 31 touchdowns. Yeah. you got quarterbacks who don't even put up 30 touchdowns. Mac Jones, DJ, did they, either of them get 30 this year? 
31 touchdowns is a lot. I mean, for any player, running back or quarterback. I mean, more quarterbacks throw 31 now in today's day since the passing league, but 31 touchdowns still means you throw just about two a game, which is still pretty good on average. If you, right. Especially if you're on a running, if you have a team that's a running team, you know, throwing two touchdowns a game is impressive if you run the yeah, ball. And I don't know zone. how the like, total league scoring has been since 2006 to now, but it feels like, this is how it feels, it feels like there's more scoring in today's game. Yeah. Everything, the rules are all slanted to Pass heavy. You could change a game with just but one pass. you still don't see any players sniffing 30 touchdowns. No, no, you don't. I'm with you there. I mean, he had, look, think about that, 1,815 yards. I mean, that's ridiculous. Guys get, guys get in the high teens, and then they kind of peter out near 20. You're right. And that's like the best in the league, you know, Cup or Jefferson or, you know, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor that one year. You're 31. right. 31. 31 I mean, touchdowns. I, that's impressive on its own, but the rushing yards, too, 1,815 rushing yards, that's unreal, too. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And the, everyone knew he was getting the ball. I mean, he was the offense, so. I just think he was awesome. He he was one of the reasons I like wanted to start playing football. He was just electric to watch. Yeah, he was a legend. But they didn't have enough playoff success. I mean, that's where Taylor's got lucky. But I mean, he had Bill Belichick, the two Super Bowls, so. two times Super Bowl champ Lawrence Taylor. But everyone everyone knows Belichick's the one who made LT. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I I get that. I get. No, I don't get that he made LT, but I get that obviously Belichick was there for part of his success. No, he, he I don't would've think been he great. Made him. He would have been the same wherever he went. That's what I was going to say. But Belichick was there for some success, so maybe there was something he taught him. But at the end of the day, Lawrence Taylor would have been a great defensive player no matter where he played. But I, I think there wasn't that Parcells selling point to LT. He's like, why do I have to listen to this guy? He's like, this guy's going to make you a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it was something like that. I mean, he's good, yeah. when Belichick talks about his career, he always says he coached the best offensive player in NFL history in Brady, the best defensive player ever in Lawrence Taylor, and the best special teams player in Matthew Slater. So, yeah, I mean, special teams later, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say special teams. Who's the guy? Kick, there, was kick, a, there, there was a different guy that he actually did coach on the Patriots. Who they Cordero Patterson. Not Delhi Patterson. Well, I think maybe Devin Hester's the best special teams Yeah, true. Player, That's but, hard uh, to predict. Hard to say who's the best special teams or, player. But you could say kicker, like kicker or kicker turner. But the other guy, uh, there's a guy who has like the most tackles all time on special teams. It's like 200-something. Uh, I'm not sure. He played on the Pats and the Dolphins. Um, I'll look it up look right him now. Up, look him up. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Most special teams tackles ever. Uh, Izzo. Larry Izzo? Yes, Larry Izzo. Yeah. Larry Izzo. Larry Izzo. 275 special teams in 20, 200 regular season games, plus 23 tackles in 21 postseason games, too. Wow, he was pretty good tackler. He's a beast. Izzo, beast. Uh, but I think when you look at this debate, though, here, Two very good players. They play two different positions, so it's really hard to say who the better players. And we're not saying who's better. I mean, I think Taylor objectively is better since he did change the game. But when you think about the nickname LT, I thought this was a fun debate. We always talked about it, so I figured why not. But if you look at their careers, they're both top five picks, both could, one NFL well, MVP. I mean, in the modern NFL, though, right? Hold both no, Hall Famers. I'm trying to think about the change of the league. <clears throat> I guess LT is the reason that left tackle is so important. But that's that's small. I mean, that's a small thing. LT, offensive Offensively, he was one of the first guys to both excel at running and pass catching. Thomas he also sense. threw touchdowns. He did have a couple, yeah. He also had some throwing touchdowns. Now you see more versatility in the backfield, or at least every team's got to have a guy who can catch passes. Pass, it used to not be that yeah, way. It used to be like, back, hey, yeah. just get Jerome Bettis. James White. Exactly, yeah. Pass so, catching well, backs. I mean, they have, a, they have a, you know, a job now. So he did it all. I mean, he did it all in one. Yeah. He made that a staple, and now it's every offense does it. Every offense has running back and catch. Definitely. No, he's right. He changed the game, too. <laughs> those running backs have longer lifespans, too. You're right. I mean, it's like one, right? It's like a similar style. I think his favorite player was LT. I think it was LT and Barry Sanders. Yeah, LT and Barry. He loves Barry. But, I mean, he's, 
I mean, even he's too young to really know Barry. And AP, though. He loved Adrian Peterson, too, Saquon. I remember when they met. Yeah, AP, AP, AP was said that. really as good pass catching, though. No, he wasn't. But, I mean, he was great back, you know, overall in his career. But uh, I think when you look at Lawrence and Taylor's Thomas career, said, I mean, when he came to the Jets, that's he was the secret weapon. Two touchdowns against the Patriots to go to the AFC Championship game. Mm, you're 2009 right. 2009 or something? 2009? Yeah, something like that. Or maybe 2010? It was, was well, he played 2001 to 2011, so it must be 2010, 2011 he played for the Jets. 2010, 2011, yeah, yeah. So he played you know, up until 2011. Yeah, it had so. to be 2010, because 2011 Patriots went to the Super Bowl. Yes, 2010 they went to the AFC Championship, the Jets, and lost. Yeah. Max Sanchez. They made a couple times with him, actually, at quarterback. But, yeah, they did. Uh, I think if you look at Lawrence Taylor's career, though, defensive player of the year in each of his first two seasons, ridiculous. Also, as I said, one of two defensive players ever to win NFL MVP. If you look at Lawrence uh, Ladania Tomlinson, 18 running backs have won NFL MVP since it became awarded in, 19, in award in 1957. And Yeah, but I think back in the 50s, they were winning because that's all you did. It was by, the time he, by, by the time he was in the league, it was already mostly quarterbacks. Yeah, it's just a quarterbacks game now. I mean, it's gotten to the point where they might as well come up with like a separate award, you know? It just should be the non-MVP that's not a quarterback. Non-MVP. Yeah, yeah. Non-quarterback MVP. That's what it should be. Yeah. Rather than just offensive player, because the, rule, player the, the rules for do. quarterbacks are so QB friendly, and then the stats, you know, they're getting inflated. It's a passing game, right? It's a passing yeah, game. So many guys throw for, for you know thirty-five plus touchdowns and five thousand yards. Everyone, everyone does it. All the passing leaders, uh, career-wise, are all modern-day QBs. You're right, but. Uh, this was a good, obviously, debate here. If you look at both careers, Tomlinson, 162 touchdowns in 170 games. Ridiculous. And then Lawrence Taylor, nine interceptions, two pick sixes, 11 fumble recoveries, and 142 sacks in 184 games. Both legends. I mean, we just did this for the fun of it. You know, mm-hmm. why not? But you're right. It is a passing game in today's day. And I think they both changed the game uh, yeah. in different ways. I think Lawrence Taylor did it more, but which they both guy, did change if, the game. Which guy, if they're both in their prime now, which guy would have more impact right now in the league? I think Lawrence Taylor. <sighs> 20 and a half sacks he Ooh. had in 1986. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I would actually maybe, I guess I would agree because you could say he's a little bit like a Von Miller, except maybe a little bit better. He's more built power. than Von Miller, but they're both similar, you know, you know moves and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but they I think both Von is in, in his best power, you know, strength, that, that finesse, Broncos speed. Year, yeah, similar impacts, and they did win the Super Bowl. I think LT would be the best running back. By, I mean, putting up 31 touchdowns. And it's like a, it's a more similar game today to when he played than when LT played. Mm-hmm. The right. passing game was probably more rudimentary when LT played. The, the blocking schemes and all that. I think yeah, it's different. It would be tough for him to repeat the same success. Like, would he win MVP in today's day when there's all these roughing the passer calls and stuff? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's just so slim. It's a quarterback league. I guess that's him changing the game in a way, but. Well, that's, that's the story with running backs here. This goes into our next debate here. We're talking about it being a quarterback's game. The running back market itself, the position, is diminishing. And that means the market of it. I mean, the, yeah. the position, well, it'll always, when they're always have a need. Especially the schedule, you know. 17 games. I mean, it's always going to be a need, that position. You, you obviously need a running back on the field. You know, it doesn't have to be a first-round pick always, but you need a running back out there. It's a position of need. But the market itself is diminishing. Saquon, the Giants obviously had a rift. One year, 10.1 million degrees uh, on a deal this past, you know, earlier in the week. Gets up to $11 million in the deal. Josh Jacobs holding out from Vegas. Yeah. What do you think the running backs can do to flip the script? I think you have to yeah, start winning. I, I think they're powerless because there's so many. All, when you're growing up playing football, all the, the best, uh, most athletic kids want to play running back and they want to play offense. The speedy guys. Receivers and, receivers and running backs. A lot of guys grew up playing running back. Mm-hmm. You're right. And so the talent at that position is just so deep. 
And You're right. a lot of the best running backs are the youngest ones who don't have as many miles. So every year you could draft a guy or not even draft a guy and get a James Robinson. Yeah, I'm just like getting a draft. You need yeah. someone, the most differentiated you get is someone who can do it all, which means you're really going to focus on the pass catching mm-hmm. and the pass protection. You're right. You know, you got to be able to be out there on third downs because that's more like playoff football and that's when you win and lose games. Definitely. So, I mean, if you're just a, if you're just a vanilla running back, it's really tough to say, hey, let's pay you more money than some fourth-round pick. Yeah. I mean, that that's the hard thing. And if you look at the notes I gave you there with the – one about 125 plays in the NFL that make over 15 million. So this yeah. is a stat I heard listening to the first take ESPN. Stephen A. said there's 125 plays in the NFL, and I looked it up on Spot Track. He was right. 125 plays in the NFL have an average annual contract, you know, salary of 50 plus million. 15 plus million. Only two of those guys are running backs: Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. So yeah. Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, the only two running backs in the top 125 that make 15 plus million per year. So I mean, just running backs, they don't get the respect. In 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 yeah. the market, like you said, it's because you could draft a new one every year if you want. I guess, yeah, I guess the one but, thing, yeah, developing take here, but everyone knows who they're. If you got a stud running back like a McCaffrey, a Saquon, like someone who's popular too, like they're one of the faces of the league or face of the team. That's that's where I see it. Sort of, I don't know if the word unfair, but something's not matching up for it Unbalanced. the league is the league is selling these guys these guys are part of the great content that we get to watch but they're not financially benefiting as much as a left tackle who no one you know you might not even know who that is even if it's your favorite team yeah. some big oaf over there we know he's important from a an execution standpoint because he keeps the quarterback upright but mm-hmm. people come and sit in the seats to watch running backs go make amazing plays and score touchdowns and you're right That's a great and point. Juke and they're great athletes and fun to watch so they are the reason people go watch the games but they don't get paid the way you know they don't get paid up to what their financial value probably is definitely to the and it's because but, you know people buying jerseys for these guys left and right they're not buying jerseys of andrew whitworth yeah it's right? a great point you're right that's a great point i think you can flip the market and flip the script by winning a Super Bowl as a top running back. I mean, look at the... Chart maybe maybe that's there's a there. jersey sales thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's something in that. But then QBs would want to do it. And then, obviously, everyone buys Tom Brady jerseys. So like, mm-hmm. A way to make themselves money off the jerseys. I mean, they probably do make somewhat. It's going to be some money. something. They do get something, it. I'm sure, off their name, you know, in the jersey sales. But probably not much. But I'm sure the league gets more. But look at that chart there. 2022 yeah. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco, their lead... Running back, lead rusher in the Super Bowl, yeah, 870,000, seventh-round pick. Every single one of those Super Bowl-leading rushes on the winning team made, at most, since from 2009 to 2022, at most, a base salary of $2.5 million. Yeah. And Percy Harvin was the lead in 2013. He was the leading rusher for the Seahawks in that game. He was a wide receiver, but the yeah, leading rusher. But look at that, though. $2.5 million is the most for a base salary for running back from 2009 to 2022 in the Super Bowl-winning yeah. team. That's the difference. Why would you ever spend? Yeah. That's the difference right there. The leading rusher on every single Super Bowl winning team in the Super Bowl at most had a base salary of two point five million. That's not even a running back in person. Having. The most for a running back was Ray Rice at two million and Leonard Fournette at two million. So I think that's the difference. I think they have to win a Super Bowl with the big running back. So that means Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs. They have to win a Super Bowl and then maybe it'll flip the script saying, Okay, you can win the Super Bowl with a top paid running back. Yeah. You know? I, 
because the, the position is so talented, it's like even the best guys, if you replace them with, you know, the third-string player on the team, yeah, the production's going to be okay. Maybe yeah. there's a few plays that you leave out there, but these guys, are, <laughs> they're well-conditioned athletes. I mean, if the third-string guy is fresh and ready to go, I mean, he's still going to be able to pound it if he got a good offensive line. Definitely. So, it's just that there's no incentive to pay these guys from a business standpoint as a team owner or a GM because you got to spend up for the quarterback. It's a, you got to spend up for wideouts and offensive line and pass rushers, cornerbacks, pass coverage. It's like everything's got to go to that passing game. Well, the, the biggest back's the last guy on the list, and if yeah, every year safety you and running back, someone who's ready to go. I mean, a rookie can fill in at running back right away, unlike any other position. You're right. You know, it's really tough for a rookie QB. It's tough to be a rookie on the offensive Let's tackle, line. yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, wideouts, you see some of it, but even those guys, it's not right away. A rookie running back first game can't go for 200 yards. You're right. I mean, look at that guy in Houston. It's a, it's a simple... Pierce, Damian Pierce, he was great this yeah, year as a rookie. It just relies on, like, athleticism. Yeah, you're right. You just make go out and make plays, see a hole, and you run. You hit the hole and, and, and obviously juke a couple of guys, and there you are, you yeah. know, running 50 yards. You're right. But that's so, a problem. I mean, something doesn't line up with the marketing of these running backs for the league and then how much they get paid. That's the discrepancy. But in terms of putting together a Super Bowl winning team, yeah, I'm paying everyone else first because all these teams win with you know low-budget running backs. You're right. You win and, with... and if you spend big on a guy and he gets hurt, oh. Well, that's why they would rather win with a running back on you know the rookie contract, or you franchise tag them for a couple of years. You draft them in the first round, like Saquon Barkley. Sure, yeah, if it's really good, yeah. you have a fifth year option. You pick up, and then you can franchise tag them a couple of years, and then you say, "Oh, the shelf life's already over with them. Let's go draft another running back." That's the issue. It's because there's a precedent set by I think the media and ESPN always saying you can never win with a Super Bowl. You know, you can never win a Super Bowl with a running back that makes let's say seven million or eight million. That's the difference right there. You know, I think it's the whole narrative for the last 10 or 15 years. You can't win with the top-paid running back. And that's why running backs don't really go high in the draft, too. I mean, Saquon Barkley was the second overall pick. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette was a top 5 to 10 pick as well. I think if there was a redo, too, Barkley probably wouldn't have been top 5. I, I still don't mind the pick by Dave Gettleman, at too. I, I don't think he would have gone there if it was this year, even if he... But in that draft, though, you look back, I mean, Bajan, Josh Robinson, Allen was there. What, what, what was he? John Robinson was the 8th overall pick to Atlanta this year. I think that's about as high as anyone's ever going to go. Again? Well, here's the thing. I think so. It's yeah. tough I mean, to say. How good do you have to be as a running back? And how bad does the quarterback and pass rusher market have to be for a running back to be a top pick? You're right. Every other position really has to be It has to be a real down year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing I mean, right Najee Harris was the best player on Alabama. He went like 22 or something. Yeah, late first. Yeah, but... That's the difference here, I think, with this whole entire running back market, right? The whole mindset is drafting a running back, probably not high again. Probably won't be another second overall pick running back for a while. I think third round is, is where you go. Because there's a whole incentive to drafting a guy mid-rounds, mid, mid rounds, get everything you can out of them, and then just draft another one in the third round like two or three years later. That's what yeah. the whole mindset is by, by GMs. But here's the difference. When you have a guy like Saquon Barkley. Look at, all, look at all the guys on the street right now that you could get. There are some free agent running backs. Dalvin Cook being one of them. Is he going to be a Patriot or not? Let's hear your thoughts on that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That's the whole talk, though, in town. He's still didn't, didn't running back. He was going to the, still free agent running back. Probably going to the Jets. He was with the Jets today, uh, and it's, they said the chances could be likely. But I still think Miami might be in the mix there, even though Miami doesn't seem that interested. I think he wants to go to Miami. So yeah, I Miami got no interest. I don't think he 
he doesn't upgrade us, you know. Ramondre Stevenson's younger too. Ramondre's, but yeah, I mean, better pass catcher. Even if they're exactly the same, Ramondre is younger and doesn't have the shoulder injury. And he yeah. fits the system too. Doesn't have the doesn't have the shoulder too. injury injuries. You know? And Dalvin Cook has the knee injuries too. Obviously towards yeah. ACL before. So, so that's I, I, a, I mean, look at Damian Harris is perfectly fine, but his 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 point he's gone. He's, he's, a, he's actually a better touchdown scorer than Ramondre. He's with Buffalo now, right? What? Damien Harris is with Buffalo now, right? He's with the Bills, yeah. Bills, yeah. He's a good, better goal line back. You're right. I mean, he does score the touchdowns. But I think he had, what, eight, 15, 18 touchdowns that one year? Yeah, I think it was 15. 15, maybe? I think it was 15. But you made a good point about the whole entire running back situation that you can obviously draft a guy, you know, mid-rounds. 15 he had in 2021 with 929 yards. But here's yeah. my argument for drafting a guy like Saquon Barkley second overall. When you have a game – and Bijan Robinson at eight. When you have a game-changing back – they can flip the game and take over any moment, and the defense has to game plan for them, and they're electric to watch. Saquon Barkley's electric. He can flip a game. Bijan Robinson can flip a game. That's why I don't mind, you know, Edwin taking Bijan with the eighth overall It's mostly pass. in the passing game. Yeah. I, I mean, Bijan Robinson can catch. You know what I mean? That's the difference. Robinson can catch. Barkley can any, catch. Any running back in the NFL, if you give them a, enough of an opening, they can take it to the house probably. Yeah, Maybe in college especially. Speed, but in college, I can just go to the outside and it's a touchdown. You know what I mean? They just break break a couple tackles. You, you have know, to, yeah. In the NFL, you've got to be able to stop the run. So surprisingly, the run stoppers get pay, paid more than the running backs. Yeah. It just, just happens. Well, that's the thing. D-tackles D- make more than them. It's like, all right. You look at the highest paid positions, right? The NFL, the most important, they'd say, to sign. Quarterback, left tackle. Oh. Pass rusher, pass yeah, rusher, and yeah, yeah DN doesn't say. Pass rusher is probably second. I'd say left tackle is right there too, and then after that, probably cornerbacks, wide receivers. Yeah, running backs are definitely at the bottom of the list. Linebackers even if, get more. If you could only have one wide receiver on the field at a time, it would be the same thing as as running back. They wouldn't get paid either. You're right. Yeah, but it's because you can have four, you know, so many on the field at a time. In the shelf life of running backs, only three to four years too. That's another yeah, thing. You yeah. know. So there's an incentive just to draft a new one every few years. Yeah, there's a ton of talent at wide receiver and running back, but there's usually only one running back on the field at a time, and you put out two or three receivers at a time. So you need, you know, the depth at receiver goes away faster because every team's going to have, like, six guys on the depth track. You're right. they got to flip the script by winning. Running back, I think that's the thing. Two or three. Running backs, you typically have three or four. One that thing you'll play special teams and three others. And according to report here right now, Devin Cook has five suitors visiting the Jets on Sunday. According to reports, chances of him signing with them is high. The Pages are also working on setting up a visit with him. So we'll see. That's just uh, a live report here of Devin. I, I just don't see the Patriots spending on a running back. No. Have Ramondre. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I don't think they will get him. Devin Cook isn't as big of a need as I thought DeAndre Hopkins would have been. DeAndre Hopkins probably would have fit the system better since you don't want to see him more. But yeah. Hopkins isn't the player he once was, so it wasn't like you're getting the, you know, the prime DeAndre Hopkins. Still we need good, a tackle is what we need. Offensive line, the Patriots neglected it, though. That's the problem. Yeah. So now it's going to be, you know, the uh, training camp uh, battle, the competition between two or three guys there to see who gets, mm-hmm. you know, some starting spots on the line. But sometimes that can help, bringing in three or four guys. Obviously, they have to compete. But at the same time, I'd like to draft a guy knowing he's going to be okay on starting left tackle to start the season. Yeah. Even, yeah. Though, even though the battle... It does even out the talent, so you see who's better, you know, and who's performing better, and who's listening and drills, and who's you know setting himself up better on the offense. That's obviously part of training camp. It's a big reason why training camp's a big thing. You can obviously you know work out kinks and also see who fits in what position better. But I would like to draft a guy. I don't. The Patriots just neglected drafting. Yeah, I like drafting line. too. You know, since you know, okay, this guy's young. He's going to probably struggle at first. He's going to learn. He'll adjust. 
We have film on him from college. No, let's put him in the NFL, see where he works, and then let's adjust you know, week by week. I, I like that more. And you also have it for cheap. Running, when you have an offensive lineman or a running back even, any quarterback, any, any position in general, right? When you draft them, it's a lot cheaper, obviously, on a rookie contract. That's why you want to win a lot of time with the quarterbacks and rookie contracts because you're not paying them heavy money yet that they deserve. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, he's still on a rookie contract. He's going to get a huge payday just he's like Joe Burrow. Paid big time, yeah. You know, but you'd rather win right now on Joe Burrow's rookie contract just like Trevor Lawrence because it's a little bit easy because you can put money elsewhere on offensive line, on yeah. linebacker, cornerback, safety, wide receiver, running back even. You can do it on anything don't, else. Don't go too deep down the cap road, though. I mean, you can spend as much as you want in the NFL. There's no, there's no real cap. Well, you can go around the, you know, signing bonuses and the incentives and everything and all that. Yeah, do whatever you want. You can move money around. Just how much is the owner willing to pay? How desperate are they for a Super Bowl? Like, you can pay whatever you want. Well, you can go with incentives too. Make the incentives easy to, to you know, to reach too. You know, you can probably uh, maneuver uh, with that. If the owner wants to write the check, you can get anyone you want. It's probably the case. You're right. That's it. The N- the NHL is the only league with a real cap. You know, you can't actually put the team on the ice unless it's under the cap for the day. Well, the NBA has a cap, but you can go over it with the luxury. The MLB doesn't have a cap, but there's a luxury tax threshold that, you know, if you go over, you pay a certain amount of money per dollar you spend. But those two leagues, though, you can go over heavily. The NFL, you still have to be technically under the cap, but there are ways a little bit around it. I, yeah, I, I but get it's, it's really just on paper. You, you can, well, you teams, can maneuver you with real, signing bonuses. Or whatever, it's all you really can, different. And here's the difference with the NFL is a lot if of times... you time, think the Texans are paying... <laughs> paying nearly what the Chiefs pay. No. But here's the thing, though. You can also take money from this year and throw it in next year's cap and two or three years down the line to firm yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big Voidable difference with the NFL. That, that guys love do doing that. You know, uh, GMs love doing that. Front offices love doing that, sending money elsewhere down the line so you can try to win right now. Let's say, okay, you have a $15 million cap hit this year. We'll take 10 of that, throw it into next year. Now you have a $5 million cap hit next this year, 25 next year. But we'll figure something out I'll probably try to trade you maybe, you know, next year with a draft pick. Try to have someone, you know, chew that money. You know, that's what yeah. a lot of teams do, you know. But that, that that's the story of the NFL now of, you know, running it's backs. No real, it's, no market. it's a diminishing market for running backs, though, too, you know, and – even without the real cap, they're still losing, you know, chances to get themselves yeah. money that they I mean, deserve. The, McCaffrey came over on a plane and played in a game. I mean, you don't need to imagine a quarterback doing that. It'd be almost impossible. Not yeah, because you need to learn the whole playbook. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, running back, it's like, hey, we're going to give you the ball this play. Yeah, and You're it's going to be a run to the outside. I mean, he still has to learn the offensive ball, plays and the wheel routes and all that. But, but yeah, you can step in and just say it's a halfback dive, get in there. But for a quarterback. If they're telling you, you know, silver white looky, you're not going to know what that means, you know, off the top of your head, you know. And the rest of it is like, can you make guys miss and get first downs for us? Like, that's not scheme. That's just player talent. You're right. I mean, so, and that's the the unfortunate thing for the running backs is like, they probably just play, they could be the most athletic guys on their team, all of them. Yeah. Most of them. Saquon Barkley is the the most athletic guys guys in the the Giants, yeah. like, Like an Ed Reed or something who might be more athletic and. More freak, but Miles Garrett. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as well as some of those guys too. But but running backs typically are cut, built, strong, fast. Yeah, they're, they're freaks. Shifty, but agile. They're not getting. They're not getting financially compensated for the fact that they might be the most in shape guy on the team. You're right. That's the problem right there. That's the difference. You know, the reality of the situation in the running back market and what it's they because want. Because there's there's a lot of guys like that. You know, you, there's not any six ten running backs like their their average height. Humans with way above average, you know, athleticism and muscle. Yeah, they can bench a ton. Yeah, 
You're right. Yeah. But there's just there's just so many. You can go draft any guy. I mean, so many games of football. It's one of the only positions yeah. you could just pluck a guy out of college, stick him in the NFL. Like, okay, hold on to the ball, but you could do it. Yeah, there's a lot of talent. You know, and running backs are expendable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you carry like eight or nine running backs in your college roster. I think about that. In the NFL, you carry about four, three or four usually. Yep. You have a couple in the practice squad, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the situation with running backs in the NFL today. But anyways, Mike, I don't want to hold you uh, on too long, but thank you so much for taking the time. Nice. I, have, I have a couple quick-hitting questions, though. We'll close the episode. Lightning today. round. Lightning round. Here we go. We'll start off hot. Pepsi or Coca-Cola? Pepsi. Easy one for you. Pepsi. I'll go Pepsi, too, but I'm not... Pepsi, the American... Come on, red, white, and blue. I'm not against Coca-Cola, though. The Coca-Cola uh, Christmas bottle, though, back in the day, throwback, one of the best. Yeah, sure, the glass bottle. Coke, exactly, I mean, yeah. It's a little different, yeah. It's an iconic, you know, uh, soda soda bottle there, obviously. Uh, breakfast or dinner? Ooh, uh, I mean, dinner's the most important meal of the day, so. I'd go dinner. Gatorade, Powerade? Gato. Gatorade. All right, we're agreeing on all this stuff right now. Pancakes or waffles? Uh, okay, so my take on this is the worst pancake is better than the worst waffle, but the best waffle. Oh, wait, no. This is French toast. Okay. So all right, we can go. You spent me too far. <laughs> all right, I get that. All right, we can go to that. Is it French toast or waffles? French toast or pancakes? Wait, is that the, is that what the debate the you were trying to get? Worst okay. Pancake is much better than the worst French toast, but the best French toast is much better than the best pancake. Okay, I got you. I'd probably still side with pancakes anyways, regardless of both scenarios, over French toast and waffles. But <clears throat> that's just me. But I get I get that argument. I like that there. Little riddle. I like it. Uh, night or morning? Uh, I guess night. Night. No, I'm, I'm night as well. Here's a, here's a good one for you. This is a tough one. Prime time. Prime time is night time. I'm with you. It is. Primetime Prime sports. Primetime sports podcast. There you go. Look at you. Uh, Chell or the show? NHL, the video game, or the show? MLB, uh, the show, video game? Yeah. I mean, they got to put some money into Chell, but Chell's a better game. For me, I mean, I didn't really ever get into too much with either game, but if I had to pick one right now, I'd say the show. Give me Jaron Duran and the Sox. Make him run. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing like scoring a goal in Chell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. It is electric. It Although is electric. A hitting a bomb in the show is good, too. No, nah, it's fun. Uh, favorite candy? Mm. Reese's for me. Yeah, Trader Joe's peanut butter cups. Those count. They count. They count. Why not? I, I mean, like Starburst and Swedish Fish. All right, I like Swedish Fish. If we're going like junk. Okay, we're going like chocolate or candy. Yeah, if I'm going chocolate in general, let's say Reese's. I guess if we're going candy, like so more you know less chocolate and more like sugary stuff. I don't know. I like Skittles. I'll say Skittles. Skittles. Yeah. Skittles like uh, Marshawn Lynch. I uh, think the dark, dark chocolate Reese's are better. Dark with chocolate Reese's. Okay. What about, uh, what do you call it? Big League Chew. It's gum, but that's technically candy, I guess. Big League Chew versus? Just in general. Heat. I Big League Chew. I was going to say, is that, does that count as a candy? Because I mean, that was something I chewed a lot growing up. But Big League Chew versus Double Bubble? Oh, that's a good battle there. That's a good battle. I mean, the, the flavor might the last more. I mean, it's not really bubble. long. What would you say? I think maybe Double Bubble. I'd probably go... With Big League Chew, but the flavor doesn't last in either one, really. No. You know, it runs out. Uh, favorite day of the week? Well, I mean, for everybody, it's Friday or Saturday, right? I'm Thursday, because you're looking forward Thursday. to Friday, Saturday. You got Thursday Night Football, too, you know? Thursday Night Football, the worst product. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be gone someday with all the injuries. But I think you can, you can fix Thursday Night Football by making it two bye weeks in the NFL, and every team is a bye week before Thursday Night Football. Thursday nights, too. You're right. Usually Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Maybe Saturday is the best, actually, because <laughs> Saturday is the, the best. You can sleep. The Bruins in, daytime you games. You wake up, college football is on. 
I like Saturdays. And then you got the Bruins later on. And then you're looking forward to, oh, let me set my lineup for fantasy the next day. You're yeah, right. It's Saturday. If you're a sports guy, it's Saturday. You're right. That brings me to the next question. Favorite season? Summer. Summer? Okay. I was going to say fall for football, but I do love summer too. But I like fall. I like yeah. spring for baseball. I mean, I get sad at any of these things. Winter's tough, obviously, here. We didn't really get as much snow as we probably have in most years this year. We did get yeah, snow, I guess though. But... For sports, yeah. If you're in playoff baseball, hockey starting, and football's in mid-swing, that's a good time of year. Right. I, I'd agree with you. I mean, this, this summer is the summer spring, of rain, though. Spring is good, too. Like baseball. Around, around opening day for... Playoffs for the other things heating up. Right, right after... Uh, or when the Super Bowl is happening? Well, spring, you got Super Bowl, basically, just, you know, right before the Super Bowl, because start of spring is March 20, so you're getting baseball starting, NFL draft coming, and you're heating up for NBA and NHL playoffs. That's not a bad time oh, of year. Okay, well, maybe, maybe March Madness. Yeah. There you March go. March Madness is a good... March Madness, you got the NFL... Or, sorry, NFL drafts coming up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you got NHL and NBA... Heating up playoff races. Yeah. You're and right. And then MLB opening day. And you're looking forward to summer at the same time. Like by August so, yeah, Thursday. Maybe, maybe first week March Madness. The first, first two days of March Madness are the best part of the tournament. Yeah, oh, you yeah. said a couple years ago and you were right. It is, yeah. When you have the, 30 games a day. Yeah, you have 15 games on at once. It's unreal. That's the best time. Best yeah, time opening, of year there. Opening round of the March Madness tournament. Opening round of NHL playoffs. Yeah. Very similar. You're right. That first weekend's great in March Madness. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is great. Uh, it's just all day long, you can turn on another game, another game. You're right. You might be, you might have a good argument there for the best season. I would say fall because I love football, but in, obviously my birthday is in October as well. But it's tough. I, I, I'm going to go fall, but it's hard. Uh, and I like, you know what I love? Halloween time, right? When you still have a light jacket on yeah. right before Halloween, like October 15th, you're at a BC football game Saturday night. Just a light jacket and jeans does the trick. You don't need a winter coat. I like that. You know? Yeah. Still still sunny during the day, still 70 during the day, maybe 65, 70. I think in spring, though, those first days you can go get the short sleeves going. The light jacket? That's, that's what I prefer. Yeah. The light jacket? All right, here's my last no, one. No jacket. You could still sleeves. have a light jacket, though, You know, at some of the night games when it's night, 8 o'clock. So, suddenly it's the first, like, 65-degree day. It feels like it's 75. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's a good point. Uh, last one here. And this was a Zolek and Bertrand special from today. Okay. And they had this question today. I was going to do this anyways. When I made this itinerary early, I already had quick hitting questions, lightning round before this. But I was watching their show today, and they had this. After a long practice in the sun, they were talking about training camp because they were at training camp live today. What's better? And Zoe proposed it here. Water or Gatorade after a long practice? Are you running to the water cooler or are you running to the Gatorade cooler? What do you I'm, know a, I'm a water water guy. I'd probably tend to run towards the Gatorade, I'd say, since I always had a Gatorade in the – hot games but if i'm just sitting in the house and it's hotter after a long walk i'd probably just take water but if i'm at, at a game I'll ice water ice water yes ice water. if it's icy water that's right ice, ice, ice cold water some of those gatos they're a little too like thick like get stuck in your throat kind of well yeah the water the straw i mean it's the elixir of life you can't go wrong Gatorade's a little bit heavy, too. When you're running, you could feel it, too, sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Every mid-game. The move used to be you pour out a little of the Gatorade and fill it with water. And it's like That's water what they were saying today. Yeah. You're saying mix yeah. a little. Mix a little water with it and you know, thin it and out. And it depends which Gatorade you got. I mean, if you have, like, the Lemon Lime Original or Riptide Rush, those ones, they're a little lighter. They're better. What's your favorite Gatorade? Mine's uh, Frost Glacier Freeze. Unreal. The blue one, light blue. Uh, Riptide, light purple. Light purple is good. Lime. Lemon Lime's an original. Yeah, the OG, yeah, those two I think are the best. I just thought of a very good one here. A very good question. 
Score a goal in the NHL, catch a touchdown in the NFL. That's tough. That's tough. I just thought of it. Top of the spot here. I, I think a lot of people would think I'm going to say score I'm thinking a touchdown. on the biggest stage, you score like the game-winning goal or the game-winning catch. Yeah, that's hard. I would say this. I always wanted in my life to I score think a give goal. Me the goal. I think, I think give me the goal. I was going to say, I think everybody would think I'd say football, which I love football. I'd probably pick, you know, if I could play one sport professionally, if I was gifted enough to play football or hockey professionally, I would say football. But here's the thing. I'm going to go hockey as scoring a goal because I always want to do the bow and arrow celebration. Yeah, I think it's a little more like... The celly. Yeah. You can have I mean, fun you have, in, the, in, the, in the NHL. Imagine if you hit one of those big pasta bombs. Like, that's... Yeah. And you have the you know the sirens going at the Bruins, you know. Yeah. Everyone's going crazy. Everyone's going the nuts exactly. The yeah. There's also there's more speed. It's a, it's a faster game. You're right. That, that's a good question though. If you could score like a goal, you go catch a touchdown. Imagine you were McDavid, like fly down the ice, dangle and score. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's sick. sick. And in the NFL, you I'm, could just I'm catch a touchdown the best, too. The, but... game, the best catch you could do, like a Santonio Holmes or a Moss or somebody, like that's yeah. cool. But Mario Manningham. It's close. But yeah, that it's wasn't, tough. That wasn't even a touchdown. Yeah, it wasn't a touchdown. I'm just talking about greatest catches though there. But <laughs> that's a good question though. The best, best, you know, best way to, you know, not best way, but the decision between choosing between scoring a goal or catching a touchdown. I think that's the, probably our best debate actually. There, that got the, mm. that got the, you know. But weird, you know, the thing too, I, catching a touchdown is a little bit more rare than scoring a goal. Like no one catches sixty touchdowns. But, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're tell you score thirty but goals. But I think the goal is still a, a lot of goal scorers. A little bit sweeter. You're right. I mean, it depends on the stage. If, you're scoring, if it's a goal, you know, in the first week of, you know, November in the NHL where you're catching a touchdown on the Super Bowl, obviously you're going to choose the Super Bowl. But we just had blank circumstances. I think first career goal is also a little more meaningful than first career touchdown. I mean, I just want to do the Selly, too. You know, the on the one knee, the yeah. bow and arrow. That's, that's what I always want to do. So Scoop some ice. Exactly. In a big, big situation. Obviously you have you get to skate by out. the bench, fist bump. That's cool, yeah. You're right. You know? You're right. So... That was a good way to end it, though. We'll, we'll have another one. We'll have another one of those lightning rounds. Maybe you can propose the next time. I just came up with these on yeah, the spot yeah. earlier. But, I'll drum up uh, some questions. I'll let you think about it. But I'll let you want. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll maybe even talk uh, You know, more Bruins offseason, maybe. Or maybe getting close to football season. I'll have you want anyways in the next three weeks, definitely before the you know, NFL uh, preseason just about ends is when we did the quarterback <laughs> rankings last year. Like, First week of September, just about. So, all of you want before then for sure. But maybe we do a Red Sox episode, something. You know, there's been movement on the list. The hierarchy is movement for sure, for sure, <laughs> and mine as well. But we'll get there when we get there. But uh, thank you so much. Take the time, always, Mike. It's always a pleasure being able to talk sports with you. That's it. It's good to be on. Share my voice, Fire Sweeney. You're the man. Hey, an hour and twenty minutes of Joey and the sports guru Mike Hurley. What a time! Thank you, Mike, as always. Much appreciated. Summer special. Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your summer as well. Thank me you. Too.